Welcome. You are listening to a sermon from Christ Chapel Barry. Listen and be blessed. I say God is not, just starting with us. And you will not be left behind in Jesus' name. There's a song we sing. I'm not sure many of us knows it, know it. In the grave, you are the king. Do we remember that song? In the grave. Can we sing it quiet if we remember? Jehovah, you are. In my life, Jehovah. You are so good, Jehovah. Jehovah, you are so good. In heaven, you are the Lord. You are the Lord. in the grave. What happens in the grave? Silence. What do, we, what do you normally put in the grave? The dead are buried in the grave, right? Treasures are buried in the grave. When men want to put a finality to something, they put it where? In the grave. But I have a word for someone here today. The mighty warrior will fight for you. Amen. Whatever belongs to you that has been put in the grave, he himself will bring forth for you in the name of Jesus. Amen. He stood beside the grave of Lazarus. What did he say? Lazarus do what? And Lazarus came forth. Every valuables of yours that the grave has tampered with, take them back in Jesus' name. Amen. 
I say, take them back in Jesus' name. I say, take them back in Jesus' name. In the grave, he's a mighty warrior. When men are put in the grave from the perspective of the earth, we say that is the end. From the perspective of Jesus, he went to the grave to fight a battle. And that's why after three days, what happened? That's why the Bible says, why seek ye the living among the dead? Your time has come. Not only my time has come. And you will manifest his glory in Jesus' name. I say you will manifest his glory in Jesus' name. You are going to pray. Say, Father, this week, this month, this season, let your life shine forth through me. Open your mouth and pray. Very important prayer point. Let your life shine forth through me. Let your life shine forth through me. Father, let your life shine forth through me. Let your life shine forth through me this season, O oh Lord. In the name of Jesus. Let your life shine forth through me, O oh Lord. Let your life shine forth through me. Let your life shine forth through me. Marekabo setole andaria. Let your life shine forth through me, O Lord. Mazekalianda itragabo rebos kiere masotoria. Let your life shine forth through me, Father. Zaika de masoto lenda itragabo. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, we are praying. Say, Father, let my life. Manifest your glory. Open your mouth and pray. In the name of Jesus. Let my own life manifest your glory. Let my life manifest your glory, O Lord. Let my life manifest your glory, O Lord. It is time, it is time, it is time. Let my life manifest your glory. Let my life manifest your glory. Oh, yes, Lord. Let my life manifest your glory. Mazekadeba let your life manifest my glory. Let my life manifest your glory. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we are praying. You know, like our sister said, the grave is a place of silence. You are going to pray. I say, Father, every plan of men to silence me. I reject in the name of Jesus. I reject in the name of Jesus. Every plan of man to silence me. Every plan of man to send me to the grave. I reject in the name of Jesus. I will not be silenced. I will not be silenced. Every plan of man to silence me, I reject in the name of Jesus. Every plan of man to silence me. Every plan of man to silence me. Father, I silence. Lord, I reject. In the name of Jesus. Every plan of man to silence me. Ah, Baba, I reject. I refuse to be silenced. I refuse to be silenced. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Heavenly Father. In Jesus' name we are praying.
I will not be silent. I will always worship you as long as long as I am breathing. I will always worship you. I will not be silent. I will not be silent. I will. Brethren, I know one thing, that the enemy will not have his way in the life of anyone in this church. So the prayers that we are praying are as we are being led by the Spirit of God. And if you are saying you will not be silent, you will always worship him. You are telling him that you are keeping me alive for a purpose. Is that not so? And that purpose will be fulfilled. The purpose for which God is working in your life. It will be perfected in Jesus' name. Amen. This year, you will not be counted among the dead. Amen. This year, you will be counted among the living. Amen. This year, you will sing a new song. Amen. This year, your life will manifest its glory. But adventure, there is anything that has followed you into this church that is contrary to divine purpose. I say it on fire in the name of Jesus. Amen. I set it on fire in the name of Jesus. Amen. Every manifestation of witchcraft in your life and situation, I set on fire in the name of Jesus. Every monitoring device from the pit of hell, I set on fire in the name of Jesus. Every treasures of yours that have been buried, I command, come back to life in the name of Jesus. I say one more time. Every treasures of yours that are buried, I command to come back to life in the name of Jesus. Amen. I say it one more time. Every one of your treasures that are buried, I say come back to life in the name of Jesus. Amen. It is well with you in Jesus' name. Amen. Father, we thank you for this morning. We lift your name on high. Accept our thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Father, as you go into God, go with us. Amen. Speak unto us. Amen. Teach us. Amen. Thank you, Heavenly Father. In Jesus' name we are praying. Amen. Let's have our seats. Let's have our seats. We are welcome to his presence. We have come to meet with the living God and he's here to meet with us in Jesus' name. Acts chapter 2. The book of Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. I read from, I will read verse 4. And we'll be looking at that passage from verse 1. I read verse 4. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. 
and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. As the Spirit gave them what? If the place is getting too warm, we can change the change it from heater. Amen. Amen. As the Spirit gave them utterance. And we began to look at how the, how the Holy Spirit came. We said there was a sound. We said there was an, a gathering in expectation. We said there was a rushing mighty wind. We said the, the, the Spirit of God, it filled the place where they were sitting. We said there appeared unto them cloving tongues like as of fire. And we said, when these clothing tongues, I mean, appears or descends upon you, that tongue gives you utterance. That tongue gives, I mean, changes your word. That which comes from your mouth. They began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And last week, we began to look at this word utterance. We said, we wanted to look at some things about utterance. Number one, we said, utterance is given. It is a gift from God. In other words, that's why Jesus told his disciples, he said, they will take you before elders. They will take you before the council. So when you stand before them, do not, uh, uh, don't, don't bother. Don't be asking yourself, oh, what will I say? He said, because the word that you will speak will be given unto you. He will grant utterance. Utterance is a, is a, is a gift from God. Number two, we said, utterance is not a word of everyday speech but one that belongs to dignified and elevated discourse. And then number three, we said utterance is accompanied with what? Knowledge. Because when you begin to speak, when you are giving utterance, and I remember we mentioned it last week, that the Bible says a fool, when, it's, when he keeps quiet, is counted what? It's counted wise. But how do you know a fool is when he speaks? The moment he says, ah, we thought he was wise. We didn't know that he's a foolish man. Or we didn't know that he's a foolish woman. So, utterance, when the Lord gives you utterance, it's accompanied with what? With knowledge. And especially the knowledge of Christ. Because you are given utterance to speak the things of the kingdom. But you know that our God, when he gives you utterance, he doesn't just say, okay, I give you utterance, you can speak the things of God, but every other thing will be in that. No. Because the word of God in you permeates everything about you. It transcends and transforms everything about you. And so today, I'm going to be looking at two additional things about utterance. So my fourth point about utterance is that you can pray for this utterance. You can do what? Somebody is not listening to me. You can do what? You can pray for this utterance. It's very important. In, I mean, after all, the Bible says the disciples were together in one, I mean, one accord in one place. They were praying when the Holy Ghost came down. Of course, what the Spirit of God came to do was much more than just utterance. But utterance was key in what he came to do and in the manifestations of that day of Pentecost. You can pray for this utterance because it affords you the opportunity to speak mysteries as revealed unto you from on high. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 19. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 19. Ephesians 6 19. The Bible says, this was Paul speaking to the Ephesian church. He said, and for me, 
that all trust may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. Paul's concern was very simple. He wanted to declare what he called the mystery of the gospel. What is the gospel? What's the meaning of gospel? What's the meaning of gospel? Good news. Good news. He said, I want to take this good news to the end of the earth. He said, pray for me that wherever I stand, I will be able to declare the mystery of this gospel. Because, brethren, it's a mystery indeed. And that's why many never understand it. That's why the Pharisees were praying for the coming of the Messiah. But when he came, what did they do to him? They killed him. And many of us will say, oh, if we were in their time, we would not do what they did. You do worse. Because we have the privilege of having the Old and the New Testament today. Is that not so? Even with that, we still don't obey God. The, the, the children of Israel in the Old Testament had just words told to them here and there. And many of them were more faithful than we are today. Utterance. Paul's concern was to preach the mystery of the gospel. To expand the lordship of Jesus Christ from the beginning, from Genesis, up to the time that Christ came, up to his death and his ascension. When you go to Colossians chapter 4, verse 3, Colossians 4, 3, he said, And we are praying also for us. Tell somebody, pray for me. Some of you don't even need prayer. If you need prayer, tell your neighbor, pray for me. He said, praying also for us, that God will open unto us a door of utterance to speak the mystery of Christ for which I am also in bond. So the first part he said, they should pray that because he wanted to make known the mystery of the gospel. The gospel is the good news about who? About Jesus. And then here in the passage where he said, I want to speak the mystery of Christ for which I am in bond. People don't understand who Christ is. People don't understand why Christ died. People don't understand what Christ has afforded us. I want to speak the mystery of Christ. I need utterance. Tell somebody I need utterance. He says, so pray for me. If you cannot pray for anything else, pray that God will grant me utterance. Utterance can be prayed for. And from our discussion last week, I made us, I made us understand that, look, in many areas of life, we need what? We need utterance. They, brought, they came before Jesus. They said, I mean, what do you think? Should we pay taxes or not? What did Jesus do? He said, bring the, bring the coin that you will use to pay tax. He said, whose inscription is this? They said, Caesar's. What did he say? Give unto Caesar the things that are Caesar's and unto God the things that are God. That's utterance. And the moment he spoke, that was it. They said, well, we can't go up. How can we attack him? Has he said anything wrong? God will give you utterance. Amen. I said, God will give you utterance. Amen. So utterance can be prayed for. You can pray for utterance on a daily basis. You can pray for utterance when you are going for, I mean, to stand before your accusers. You can pray for utterance when you are going for an interview. Provided you are a child of God. Because utterance is not a, it's not a magic wand. It is the Holy Spirit speaking through you. To give a revelation of what ought to be done at that particular point in time. I pray for you. You will not fail in Jesus' name. Amen. And the fifth point. Uh, there are some virtues associated with utterance. 
We mentioned one last week, which is knowledge. But in addition to knowledge, there are about uh, four that we want to mention today before we round up. Other virtues associated with utterance. And we'll see this in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 7. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 7. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 7. The Bible says, Therefore, as ye abound in everything, in faith and utterance and knowledge and in all diligence and in your love to us, see that you are bound in this grace also. So, how many things did Paul list here? Number one, he said what? Faith. Number two, utterance. Number three, knowledge. Number four, diligence. Number five, love to us. Number six. Now, he says, see that you are bound in this grace. So, he was talking about a specific grace. Are we together? He wasn't just talking about what? Grace. But a specific grace. We'll come to, when we come to that, we're going to go a little bit in depth into it. So these are things that are associated with all trans. You see, he kept saying this and this and this. and So you need all this to grow, to grow together. To go together. That that all trans may be given unto you. So you can pray for it. But then as you grow as a child of God, as you grow in the faith, as you grow in the world, all trust is increased. All trust is imparted. All trust is manifested in your daily, in your daily uh, encounters. So the first thing that he mentioned there is faith. Faith. I mean, we all know about faith. Is that not so? Without faith, you cannot be Christian. By grace, you are saved through what? Through faith. I'm not sure any of us here some might have. That's why I'm, I, I'm not saying nobody has. But I am not sure many of us here have seen Jesus physically. Physically. Even in your dream that you see Jesus with all his regalia, whichever way they want to paint him for us, either it's a black man or a white man. Either he's putting on white agbada or white robe. Not many of us have had that encounter that you sit down with him that he will instruct you. But yet you believe. Don't you? Ask your neighbor, do you believe? So that we are not making an erroneous conclusion. Yet you believe that Jesus came, that he did what? He lived on this earth for 33 years. That's three and a half years. And he died on the cross. For who? For who? He died for me. To take away my sin. To give me access to eternity. You've not seen him. But you believe. So, the premise of our Christianity is on what? Faith. Faith. And he manifests himself to us. He reveals himself to us. He ensures that we don't falter. He ensures that on our journey to eternity, even though you've not, Jesus Christ, he said, nobody has been to heaven before except he that was sent down from heaven. He's talking about himself. That was Jesus in his time. And so we are running this race because we are going somewhere. I hope you are going somewhere. Can you ask anybody, are you going somewhere? Uh, now maybe where he's going, maybe. That, ask him, where are you going? Now tell him where you are going. Where are you going? I'm going to heaven. So that there's no doubt about what we are talking about. 
I am going to where? I'm going to have I'm on the journey to eternity. Even if I live on earth to be a thousand years, which is not possible, I am going to heaven. If I live on this earth to be a hundred years, I'm going where? Yes. If I live on this earth to be 70 years, I'm going where? Yes. That, it's very important. You must know where you are going. Faith is the first virtue that is associated with utterance. And the Bible tells us in Romans chapter 10, verse 17. It says, So then faith cometh by hearing. And hearing what? By the word of God. Faith cometh by hearing. Hearing by the word of God. Now, the, the, the Greek scholars make us understand that the word there, W-R, the word of God there, is what is called Rema. And I'm sure many of us who heard of, they say one is Rema. What is the other one? Logos. <laughs> Some point in the spirit here today. One is Rema, one is Logos. And they said, one is the written word, one is the spoken word. If I mix it up, just pardon me. Amen? But there is a rhema. There is a spoken word for every situation that you find yourself in. There is a spoken word. I'll give a very simple example. Uh, many of us have heard of a man of God called Kenneth Hagin, right? He's late now, but his son is alive, carrying on the ministry. Kenneth Hagin was born with a deformed heart. And so when he was born, they packaged him and the doctor said, just and put him, they said, in a shoe, a shoe box. And told his grandmother he was going to write his death certificate on the day he was born. But the, the woman just looked at him and saw that they looked as if this thing, because they wasn't even a human being, it looked as if this thing was, was breathing. So she went and got some clothing and put the, the, the thing in it. And the thing they expected to die did not die. And he lived. The grandmother just loved him. And the doctor came back with death certificate. But the boy was still alive. You can't go and throw the, the boy away because you have a death certificate. He said, okay, give him some milk, give him some days, he'll be gone. The boy lived. That's what the boy lived. But he still had that deformed heart. And so at the age of 17, he was an invalid. He was bedridden. And it looked as if he had endured for long and it was time to go. But he said something. His grandmother gave him her Bible. I mean, many of us have had encounters spiritually with our grandmothers. Tell somebody, God bless our grandmothers. And I will tell a mother near you, I hope you are going to be a good grandmother. Yeah. Uh, Brother Collins, you, you are not talking to my sister beside you. Let me look for some. Tell a mother beside you, I hope you are going to be a good grandmother. His grandmother's Bible was what he was reading. And then he came upon a, upon a place. He had given his life to Christ. He said the Baptist church was attending. They didn't believe in, a, a, what do they call it, a faith healing or anything. Their own was just, in fact, the pastor was called to come and pray for him. And the pastor blessed him to die. He said, take heart, mama. Because this boy will do what? Take her. God will give you the, 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 the strength. That was what passed. And they called not one, not two pastors. All of them came. And instead of praying for the boy to get killed, they were praying for the parents to have the grace to sustain his death. But one day, that's what the one day. One day he opened his Bible. And he opened his Bible. To Mark chapter 11. Verse 23. 
as he was reading his grandmother's Bible, he got to Mark chapter 11, verse 23. I'll start from verse 22. Let's start from verse 22. He said, Jesus answered and said unto them, Have faith in God. Verse 23. For verily I say unto you, Whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he said shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he said. That was what he read. He said, therefore I say unto you, what is whatever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you shall have them. He was on that bed. He was dying. He was, his, he was I mean, expressing heart failure. His, I mean, his two legs were paralyzed. But he read this passage. Now, I'm talking about that word, Rema. The word of God that comes to you. The word of God that comes alive in you. The word of God that you receive and you run with. He said, at that instance, that word came alive in him. That if I believe, I can say unto this mountain, be thou removed and it shall be removed. And then he said he had a word. That you said you believe. You are, he had given his life to Christ. It was about 10 a.m. And said, people that believe they are healed, on a 10 a.m. on a weekday, will not be lying down on their head, I mean on their beds, listening to the sound of vehicles passing by. So what did he do? His legs were paralyzed. But he could lift up his body. So he lifted up his body, used his two hands to take one leg. He had no feeling. And we know what it means to be paralyzed. He used his two hands to take the leg and throw it down. Took the other leg and did what? Threw it down. He wanted to stand up. He had no feeling in that leg. But he was walking upon the rhema of the word he received from this passage. He didn't just read it as the Bible says. No. At the point he read that passage, he had a word. It came alive in him. He said, this is the word for me. Tell me, this is the word for me. He said, as he threw his legs down, and he held onto the pillar of the bed to stand up, he began to feel pains in those legs. What does that mean? The legs were paralyzed. And now he was trying to stand up. He began to feel pains in the legs. Oh, he knew something was happening. And he held on to the bed stand. And he stood up. The pains were excruciating. But brethren, if your legs have been paralyzed without pain, when you begin to feel pain, what will you do? Ah, you will sink. Whatever song they sing in heaven that time, you will sing it. He stood up on his two legs. That was the beginning of his transformation. He walked out of that room. He went and met, who did he go to meet? Ah, somebody's in the spirit. He went and met grandma and said, I want to eat breakfast. The Lord will touch you. Amen. The Lord will transform your situation. Amen. The faith that accompanies utterance will be your portion. Amen. Do you know, brethren, can I take him died at the age of, is it 88? Either 88 or 83. The theme of his ministry, that's why they call him the father of faith in the evangelical ministry. Everything he did all his life revolved around this passage. I'm talking about Rema. I'm talking about the word that God gives to you that comes alive in your heart. 
that enables you to stand and say, Satan, you cannot cheat me again. Tell somebody I'm talking to Satan. Say, I'm talking to Satan. Now point one and say, Satan, you cannot cheat me again. That rhema of God will come alive you in Jesus' name. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1, we know that passage. It says, now faith is the substance of, of things so forth. The key word there is now. Faith is now. Tell somebody, faith is now. So you have a plan for this week. You are planning to do something this week. I want you to go with the faith of God. Because faith is when? Faith is when? Faith is when? That's the faith that accompanies utterance. The second word in the passage that we read is diligence. What's that word? We can put that word very simple. A lazy man is not diligent. True or false? A diligent man is hardworking. A lazy man has no place for diligence. And diligence goes without utterance. Utterance. The Bible defines diligence as what? Steady, earnest, and energetic effort. Steady, earnest, and energetic effort. Diligence is defined by the Bible as devoted and painstaking work and application to accomplish an undertaking. So it's not something you do once and say, I've tried. No, you apply yourself to it. It's like a student at school. The things you study in grade 8 are different from grade 9. Is that not so? No, maybe I'm starting from too far. Grade 2 is different from what? Grade 3. I remember when my daughter was in uh, kindergarten. Every morning, the teacher would take them out. They would be walking around the neighborhood. They would put on their winter jacket and everything. You would wonder, are these people learning anything? That was a routine every day. And yet, there was an expectation that by the time they finished senior kindergarten, they must do what? They must learn to read. I hope you realize that. By the time children finish senior kindergarten, they should learn to read. And lo and behold, by the time they finished not kindergarten, she was doing what? With all the walking around in snow, they know how they... <laughs> what am I trying to bring out? Diligence. Continuous. They have, I mean, that's why when they grow up, someone like me, by the time it's winter, you, um, um, if you see me outside in the afternoon, you will know it's, winter is coming. Because apart from this, I have my special jacket. My children will put on just one t-shirt and they're running about. Because right from JK, they are taught to be walking around in snow. To be throwing snow around when I'm praying that snow should not come. <laughs> they're excited it has come because they want to do what? Build snowman. Diligence. Continuous effort. One other definition says diligence is careful and persistent work. Diligence is what? Diligence is not touch and go. Diligence, you have got to apply yourself. I've always told us this, brethren, God is looking for brethren, for brothers and sisters that will make examples of divine success. They will put in their effort, but they will ascribe the glory to who? To God. That's
That's what he wants. Diligence goes with utterance. It goes with utterance. Now, Proverbs chapter 10, verse 4. Proverbs 10, 4. Proverbs 10, 4. Very important passage. He becometh poor that dealeth with his slack hand. Is that in your Bible? Ah, we are not talking again. Is it in your Bible? He becometh poor that, but he said what? The hand of what? The diligent maketh rich. You see, as a child of God, when you are diligent and you have the backing of God, ah, I want to tell somebody else, you will be rich. Yeah. I say you will be rich. Yeah. You are diligent and you have divine backing. And for your divine backing, you don't need anything special. You just need to be a child of God. Ask your neighbor, are you a child of God? Now, I'm not asking you if you came to church today. Of course you are here. But are you a child of God? Because if you are a child of God and you are diligent, the Bible says you will be rich. Who is the Lord talking to this morning? You will be rich in Jesus' name. So diligence goes with utterance. Do you know what? If God gives you utterance and you are a lazy man, what are you going to do? You will waste God's resources. God gives you utterance, you are a lazy woman. It is a waste of resources. God's investment in that person comes to what? Zero. Nothing. And God is not in the business of wasting resources. Can you tell your neighbor, don't waste God's resources. As long as you are a child of God, he is ready, he is interested, he is prepared to release all trials unto you. He is ready if you are diligent, if you make up your mind, that I will not waste the resources that will come. He will lift you up. We all know Proverbs 22, 29. Seest thou a man, diligent in his business, he shall stand before kings. He shall not stand before mean men. You will stand before kings. Yeah. You know, we say you will stand before, some of, some of us say I will be the kings themselves. Yeah. In other words, you are a king. Yeah. Tell somebody you are a king. It's not just standing before kings. You are the king that other diligent men will do what? Will stand before. Tell someone that's a testimony. Now tell someone that is my testimony. I will testify in Jesus' name. A man diligent in his business. Stand before kings. He shall not stand before mean men. In those days, kings were rare. They were scarce. But you know what the Bible says about you and I? He said he has made us what? He has made us kings and priests. So tell someone you are a king. But you must be diligent. That's very important. So the only thing that can take you away from your kingship is what? If you are not diligent. If you are not diligent, you are pulling yourself away from that pedestal that God wants to place you and lift you up. The third thing that accompanies diligence from that passage is love for the brethren. What did I say? It's very important. It's very important. First John chapter 4, from verse 7 to verse 13. First John 4, verse 7 to 13. First John 4, 7. The Bible says, Beloved, let us love one another. For love is of God. And everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. 
So the Bible is telling us here that if you know God, if you are born of God, you must love. Can anybody you must love? He said, he that loveth not, knoweth not God, for God is love. Once we mention love, we start thinking of the emotional aspect of things. And I've said it here so many times. Love is sacrificial. Love is what? If you say you love me, you will go to some extent to make some sacrifices for me. That is what love is. And many of us in our homes, we understand what I'm saying. You love your wife. The Bible says husbands do what? As Christ did what? And did what? As Christ loved the church and gave his life for the church. Look for a man and say, that's how you should love your wife. Tell the man sitting beside you, that's how you should love your wife. There, there, there is no. Uh, 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 your, <laughs> tell this brother again. Tell him, the two of you. Tell him. Tell him that's how you should love your wife. Uh-huh. It's very important, brethren. The Bible says, "Husbands, do what love your wives. Be prepared to make sacrifices for your wives." It's very important, as Christ loved the church and gave His life for the church. And then the Bible says, wives, do what? Submit your to your husband. Very important. Stop fighting for right with your husband. That's what the Bible says. There cannot be two heads in a sheep. A sheep that has two heads, what will happen to it? It will drink so much water that it will capsize. Husbands, Love your wives. Wives, submit to your husbands. See, God makes things very simple. But we like making things complicated. Is that not so? The life in the Garden of Eden was so simple for Adam that he started looking for adventures. That's why we are where we are, where we are here today. <laughs> they look for adventures until they put us in trouble. I think when we get to heaven, Adam should thank God that it is heaven. Some of us will plan to discipline him. How did you put us in this problem? Amen? God is good. The Bible says, He that loveth not, knoweth not God, for God is love. You know what the Bible says? When we were yet sinners, what happened? So if you love that woman, don't come and say, Ah, she talks too much. She did this, she did that. Ah, me, I'm moving out. I'm checking out. It means you don't love her. Are we together? Brethren, love, Jesus died to prove love. And what many of us have been called upon to do is nothing close to death. It's just for us to humble ourselves. Just for us to humble ourselves. God will help us. Amen. By God's grace, I don't, I mean, I don't, I'm not sure we're going to be able to do it this year, but at, at least we're going to have two marriage seminars next year. We are being called upon, brethren, to stand in the place which God has called us and stop allowing the devil to have the upper hand in our homes. The devil will not have the upper hand in your home in Jesus' name. Amen. 
So you must show love. Love comes with utterance. He that loveth not, knoweth not God. For God is love. In this was manifested the love of God towards us. Because God sent his only begotten son into the world. That we might live through him. Verse 10. Herein is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us. And sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. You see, that's why God loved us. It's not because we loved God. That's why the Bible says, husbands love your wives. It doesn't say wives love your husband. Are you, are, are, am I correct? Go and look at your Bible. It says, husbands do what? This passage says, it's not that we love God. Though. Remember that we as the church, what are we? We are the bride of Christ. He loved us. And now it's good to say I love you, I love you, and all that. Oh. That is very good. Tell one more beside you. Tell your wife you love her. Ah, tell one man beside you. Tell your wife you love her. Because you see, these are African men. Now, now God will deliver us. So. I know, I, I know the story now. And they say, is, is it now? Is it now? Love you go job. She said you she wants it. Give it to her. Tell her you love her. And sister, when he says I love you, don't just say uh huh. What do you say? Ah, uh -uh, of course now. Uh -uh. The man has tried. Oh. Brethren, it takes a lot of... Uh, yes, so oh, that's the word. It takes courage for a man, especially, you know, our white people, no problem. But for this, our uh, African men, it takes a lot of courage for some of them to even tell you I love you. So please don't throw it away. Because the first day he says I love you and you say and so what? The man will say it again. And it won't be his fault. Oh. The Lord will help us in Jesus' name. So, it is God that loved us. Let's go to the next verse, verse 11. Verse 11. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. No man has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwells in us. And his love is perfected in us. In other words, if you don't show love, I mean, all this one you are saying, God is not involved. Though. That's what the Bible is telling us. You don't show love, God is not involved. That's very important. Hereby know we that we dwell in him, and he in us, because he has given us of what? His spirit. Remember how well we got here? We're talking about the Holy Spirit and new beginnings. Everything we're talking about revolves around the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God. In verse 20 of that passage, the Bible says, if a man say, I love God, and hated his brother, he's a liar. Can we show it, please? If a man says, if a man say, I love God, and hated his brother, he's a liar. Can you ask somebody beside you, are you a liar? Don't be afraid to ask. Ask your neighbor, are you a liar? We are looking at what the Bible says. He said, for he that loveth not his brother whom he sees, how can he love God whom he has not seen? We have brothers and sisters around us. We can't show love to them. And yet we are saying we love God. God himself is saying, no, I don't know you. That will not be your portion in Jesus' name. We are told that love covers a multitude of what? Of sin. 
Love does not keep a diary of what? Of sin. I know this one is our sisters. They are the ones that they have, they have the blue diary for the red diary, the green diary, and the black diary. The green diary is when the man bought something for her. The red diary, ah, God will help us. <laughs> Love does not keep a diary of iniquities. Love forgives, brethren. Love forgives. Love forgives. Number four. Talking about things that are, co that are coming all trans. Number four is giving. Remember we are talking about a grace. That is the grace that Paul was talking about. It's the grace of what? It's the grace of giving. Now let's go back to that 2 Corinthians chapter 8. 2 Corinthians chapter 8. I will read verse 1. 2 Corinthians 8, 1. It says, moreover, brethren, we do you with of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. How that in a great time of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded unto the riches of their liberality. For to their power I bear record. Yeah, and beyond their power, they were willing of themselves, praying us with much entreaty that we will receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship of the ministry to the saints. That's what he was talking about. That's the grace he was talking about here. This was a church that was what? A giving church. Giving is part of the virtues that accompany utterance. Father, one of the virtues that accompany utterance. And in verse 5, he said, And this they did, not as we hoped, but first they gave their own selves to the Lord and unto us by the will of God. They were willing to give. And that's what takes us to verse 8, where we, where we, uh, where we started from. Is it verse 8 we looked at at the beginning? Verse 7, okay. Let's look at verse 7. Yeah. That's what takes us to verse 7. As he abandoned everything in faith, in utterance, in knowledge, in all diligence, in your love to us, see that you abandon what? In this grace also. So you bring together your faith, the utterance that the Holy Spirit gives, knowledge which accompanies utterance. So that when you open your mouth, you don't look like a fool. Diligence. Your love to the brethren. And the grace of giving. The grace of giving. So that's utterance. That is utterance. And so, how does utterance come? It's the Holy Spirit that gives utterance, right? And we say we can pray for it. And then, next week as we continue to look at this uh, topic, we are going to ask ourselves a very simple question. Who is the Holy Spirit? It's the Holy Spirit that came, that opened the door to all this. But who is he? And brethren, one thing I've realized is when we begin to study about the Holy Spirit, he does something. Tell me he does something. Remember? In the book of Genesis chapter 1, from verse 1, 
The Bible says, in the beginning, what happened? God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void. Darkness was upon the face of the deep. But something important was happening. The Spirit of God did what? Moved upon the face of the waters. And then God said, let there be light. And there was light. The Spirit of God is moving in the sanctuary. The Spirit of God is moving in the life of someone. The Spirit of God wants to do someone in God, in, in, I mean, wants to do something in someone's life. And one thing that the Lord has been uh, impressing upon my mind, and I've been mentioning it one way or the other, is creative miracle. What did I say? See, here he said, let there be, and there was. He made something out of nothing. He created light out of darkness. He changed, and it changes. And it continues to change circumstances and situations. In other words, don't get to a point where you think whatever it is you want God to do that God cannot do. Is there anything he cannot do? Somebody is not sure. Is there anything he cannot do? Is there any situation that is hopeless for God? In fact, you know when your own efforts and abilities are ended, that's why what happens? That's where his own effort begins. They say when you see a man that is drowning, He's struggling. He's drowning. If you jump into the water to rescue him, how many people will drown? Two will drown. But if you allow him to struggle until he's, he, I mean, he can no longer struggle, then you can go in and do what? And rescue him. For as long as he's struggling in there, I don't swim, oh, and I, I won't try to learn to swim, so don't encourage me to. <laughs> but I say, for as long as the man is struggling in there, if you try to rescue him, they will carry two dead bodies out of the water. But when you are allowed to struggle and it's about to give up, then you can go in and very easily you can bring him out. And my admonition to someone here today is stop struggling with God. Because that's what he said. He said, my spirit shall not always do what? Content with man. He said, no. When you get to the end of your own effort, then I can come in. I will come in. And I will make a difference in that situation. God wants to make a difference in your situation. He wants to give you that utterance that changes situations. He wants to beautify your life and your situation. You know, we are talking about virtues. Graces, virtues. So that when men see you, they can see that, oh, something is different. They may treat others in one way, but when it comes to you, they say, oh no, this one is different. And I've shared, as I round up, I've shared a story with us before. A particular place where I was working when I, when I was in Nigeria. And I had to leave. And when I was going to leave, they, they, they gave me whatever they were going to pay. As you know, they, is this severance they call it? And then they, there's some accumulated money they gave. They gave it to me and I left the place. And then somebody else was going to leave. And they gave him whatever they were going to give him and it became a talk of war. And they began to drag it for them. And the head of the personnel went and met our managing partner there and said, ah, this is what we gave to Fulani. And the man responded and said, Fulani is different. For me, that's a testimony. 
are you different or are you like them? If you are different, God will fight for you. I wasn't there when all this happened, but I was told. If you are different, where God is taking you, nobody can stop you. Do you realize that the laws of this land can change tomorrow because of you? Do you realize that? It has happened before. In fact, in the, I mean, in the last part of this church, it has happened more than once. That they will just change the law to accommodate some people, and after a while, they will change it again. I remember one of our brothers, he's a lawyer. He was uh, preparing to write his law exam. I don't remember the details again, but there was an issue with the exam they wanted him to write. And they just opened a window, they changed that law. And he did his exam, he passed, and they closed that window. Yes, this law society of Upper Canada, that's how I got to know their name. The brother is in, uh, what is, it? is it Saska, something they call that? Uh -huh. That's where he is now. So it's not a story. And many of us know what happened during this COVID, uh, COVID situation, right? And they just woke up one day and said, okay, if you are a PSW, they will give them, uh, what do they call that thing? The PR card. And many people, and this was a, a testimony in all over, all our parishes. You know, we have a parish in Sudbury. And many of us remember how we started that parish. Is it God? Tell somebody God is good. The pastor of the church was a member of this church. He was a student. He finished, he came to for just one year in uh, Georgian College. He finished, and immediately he finished, his wife got a job in Solbury. I said, oh, no problem, we are starting a parish there. And he was willing, and we started the parish. And at that time, I don't know what happened, but they said, province of Ontario was encouraging people that were applying for refugee to relocate to where? So the parish started and the church was full. Isn't God good? When we started Christ Chapel for two years, our attendance did not exceed 18. Any day we were 18, that was our maximum attendance. We started that parish and all of a sudden we were just moving from, and then some of our pastors in uh, Toronto were saying, ah, our members are moving to Solby. And the church was full. That's how God does his things. But where am I going? So when this issue of, uh, I mean, uh, people who are in the PSW, many members of the church did what? They got their PR card. That is God. Where am I going? God can change any situation because of you. That's money because of me. So there's no limitation. That's what I'm trying to say. We're talking about the Holy Spirit. He's moving. Nothing and no one can stop him. If you don't stop him, he cannot be stopped. In other words, in your own situation, who can stop him? You are the one that can stop him. You are the one that will make up your mind that Holy Spirit, I don't, have, I don't want anything to do with you. And he doesn't impose himself on anyone. He may come in noisily, but he goes out how? Quietly. He will not leave you in Jesus' name. That's why, uh, what's his name? David said, Cast me not away, Psalm 51, from your presence, O Lord. Do what? Take not your Holy Spirit from me. And then he went on to say, Restore unto me the joy of your salvation. 
and renew a right spirit within. Let's bow down our heads, brethren. Let's bow down our heads. We've been talking about utterance as given by the Holy Spirit. Why don't you talk to the Lord this morning? Is it or maybe this afternoon? Talk to the Lord. I know that God has spoken to you one way or the other this morning. Why don't you tell him? If there are areas you need to make amends, tell him you will make amends. Maybe you just want to hear his voice more. Maybe what you need is clarity. We are talking about Rema. So that when you get to that word that is the Rema for your situation, the Rema for your life, that you are able to grasp it and run with it. So that when God is speaking unto you, you don't end up being, I mean, not understanding the words that he said. Why don't you talk to him this morning? He's here for you. He's your father. He's your father. He's your helper. Touch the throne of mercy. Touch the throne of grace. Are you in the church this morning? You are not born again? It's another opportunity to say, Lord Jesus, come into my life. Are you watching us online? You are not born again. This is the opportunity to say, Lord Jesus, come into my life. If you want to give your life to Christ, you can raise up your hand where you are. We are going to pray together. You want to give your life to Christ? Raise up your hand. We are going to pray together. Father, in the name of Jesus, I commit these ones into your hand. As many as are saying, come into my life, Father, you take control. Establish your lordship over the lives of these ones. Father, do what you alone can do and put the devil to shame. As many as are stranded, you are the God that makes a way. Father, make way for your children. Lord, open doors unto your people. Father, put the devil to shame. As you give utterance, and it comes with faith, it comes with knowledge, it comes with virtues, it comes with diligence. Father, beautify the lives of your children. This week, Father, give everyone in this service a testimony. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for we have prayed in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to our sermon here on Christ Chapel TV. Tune in next time for the next sermon. God bless you.